0: Acts 1 and verse 6, it says, They therefore, when they were come together, asked him, saying, Lord, dost thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has set within his own authority or power, according to the translation. But ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, in multiple times, the disciples was looking for the restoration of Israel. And, there, and there's too much to cover it all this morning, so it's not even the direction I'm going to go, but it just kept... Just come at me, so I wanted to read this to you. The disciples, and not just the disciples, the Pharisees, the whole uh, uh, Jerusalem population, at the time of Jesus, was looking for the restoration of Israel. Because they were doing that out of Daniel the prophet, out of Isaiah, out of Jeremiah, out of Ezekiel, out of the prophets. They knew that they were in the season when Messiah was supposed to come. And, and at some point, it may be in these uh, series of messages, we'll go further into this. But they're looking for the restoration of Israel, and, and they're asking Him in multiple places. And He says there uh, to them, It's not for you to know the time or seasons which the Father has set within His own authority. Now notice this very next verse. But And every time there's a but In the Bible It has a very very Significant meaning But You shall Receive power And and What I see here What I believe this is saying You're going to restore it Disciples Apostles and it's not going to be a restoration of Israel like the natural man thinks. For my kingdom, Jesus said, is not of this world. And, and, and if we got a hold of what He said just there, my kingdom is not of this world, most, most or many, and I, I may quit, try to quit using the word most, many preachers are teaching people that there's going to be this natural restoration of Israel. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So why would He come back and restore something that He said is by this world? He also, uh, you know, the Lord also said He was tired of their sacrifices. They, they basically, you know, in our common language today, they make me sick. I'm tired of them. I don't like them. They'd served their purpose. They were done. Not to be repeated again. Not to to be hashed over again. And, and, And we're going to look at the sacrifice. Because God had in all of those sacrifices that were done in natural Israel, in the city of Jerusalem, ultimately in the city of Jerusalem, God had a sacrifice that they were speaking of. So all of them were speaking up until the day of fulfillment. And when the day of fulfillment had come, that was it. There was no other sacrifice going to be offered for man whereby they could be saved. And then your Bible tells you that. So why would God restore an old priesthood, an old temple, an old system? I believe some people actually believe God's going to again offer heifers. Why? Why would He ever do it? What would be the purpose? To me, that that is, that is like saying, well, Jesus, your blood wasn't enough, so we got to go back to this old system to get right with God. Think about it. we got to build up this old temple so God... You, you know, and I'm, I'm down this line, so God bless you. we got to build up this old temple so God can destroy it again. So God can come and destroy... It again, so the end will come. He already destroyed it. It already took place. The Roman army already marched in there and overthrew it. Not a stone. Jesus said, Not one stone shall be left upon another. It shall all be cast down. And, and it literally happened, but it's got to be cast down out of our hearts. See, see the knowledge of the Lord, for you to walk in faith, in security, in rest, in peace, why you, you, you know, sometimes people will say, why do you need to know all this? I'll tell you why. So you'll walk in rest, peace, security, That's why. Because you're being clothed on with Him. See, See, He is His Word. His Word speaks of Him. And and what His Word declares will be made real inside of you. I, I marvel at how much peace of God is in my heart, in my life. Not that I don't fall out of it. Not that I don't have issues. Not that I don't have problems. I do. So I'm not this perfect little saint. I'm perfect in Him. But, I, but I'm not this, you know, everything I do is just Jesus all the time. So, but I'm in, in a place of rest. That I look at the body of Christ and, and, and I go, I want to bring you there. Now, I can't personally, but the Lord through me can, will, and wants to. Because I see believers struggling. Just like Sister Phyllis says, I see people hurting. And the answer for their hurt is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's kind of like the Lord with, with Abraham. When Abraham fell in sin, what we call falling in sin, well, he, he sinned, he, he, he lied. You know, go down there and tell the king that you're my sister. Maybe she was his half-sister. I think some people say she was. Whether she was or she wasn't, I'm not 100% sure. But he did not want, he did not want Sarah to tell the king that she was his wife. Because if she told the king she was his wife, Abraham said, they're going to kill me. So so look, he's a man in covenant with God and he's got fear going all through him and he's actually called the father of faith because he comes down there and he says that, you know, I think more than once in the story of Abraham, they're going to kill me, Sarah. So you don't tell them you're my wife. You tell them you're my sister. So they don't kill me. Yeah, he didn't walk down there and say, God's with me, bless God. God spoke to me, God's appeared to me, and you go read the story of Abraham. God spoke to him, God had appeared to him. And he goes into that situation, yeah, made promises to him. Yeah, or God didn't have to raise him from the dead to keep his promise. But they killed him. Like Bob was saying, so, so Bob said they couldn't, if they killed him. They, God wouldn't keep His promises, but God raised Him from the dead. But we're we're down a rabbit trail for a moment. And yet, Abraham's mind turns to the mind and and he says to him, you you know, tell them. says, Sarah, tell them you're my sister. When the Lord dealt with Abraham, He didn't come back to Abraham and say, Abraham, you awful, mangy man. You... He didn't come to him the way we think God would. Our, our mind of God would. He come to Abraham and he said, "Lift up thine eyes." He he put him in direction of what he was doing, of what God was saying, what he was doing, and see that's what he'll do with us. I, I can remember the Lord in my spirit saying that to me. Those. Because I had made some mistakes and I would gotten before the Lord and I wanted to grovel in my mistakes. I'm just being honest with you. I to grovel in. I'm going to grovel in them, Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Lift up your eyes. In other words, Wayne, I'm not going to grovel with you. I've got a solution for you, but it's not, it's not going to happen like you want it to. You're going to have to come my way. And how many knows Jesus said, I'm the way? So you're not going to come out, you're not going to go another way. It's just not going to happen. God's going to bring you back to the way. If you seek God, He's always going to bring you back to the way. No matter where you go, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, He'll bring you back until you lift up your eyes. Lift it up off the earth and let me show you. And that's, gets me to where we're going. I said I said Exodus 6, I'm going to read Exodus 6 and quickly go into Genesis 22. Exodus 6 we were in last week, and we've been looking at the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me to preach the gospel, and, and that's kind of where this started, and uh, that's why I said you need to go back and listen to the last two Messages. Exodus 6 says, Then the Lord, or Jehovah, said unto Moses, Now, that's verse 1, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord, or I am Jehovah. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they are strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am Jehovah, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will, notice I will, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am Jehovah, your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage or an inheritance. I am Jehovah. (laughs) Now, in, in light of salvation, we get saved, we believe on Jesus and we go tell people Jesus saved me from my sins. Don't we? And He did. And that's glorious. And He did. But our understanding is many times I'm still the same. I just don't have sin. And that's a problem. That's a major problem within the church. It's major. See, God, when He redeemed Israel, He just didn't take them out of Egypt and say, now you're free from Egypt. Go do what you want. Be good little boys. And everything, and girls, and everything's going to be fine. Do the best you can. And someday make heaven your home. He didn't say that. He said, I have come down to bring you out to. So I've come for a purpose. I'm going to rid you of the Egyptians. I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to bring you out of bondage and into the land of promise. So I'm going to bring you in. So do we see salvation as a coming out and a going in? We'll probably never enjoy all that God has for us. Because we just see it as a coming out but we don't see thee going in and and that whole thing is a person when i read these scriptures i get so excited because i i could preach jesus from the whole bible i sit down and start reading and before long i'm looking at jesus So I see Jesus all over the Scripture. Now turn to Genesis 22. Now, And remember when you turn that God said He was not known to Abraham as Jehovah. Now we've taught on that for a long time. Or several times. I want you to read Genesis 22 with me. And it came to pass after these things. Verse 1. We're going to read a lot of Scripture here. That God did prove Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. Abraham said, Here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest. And mark this in your heart, in your Bible, or wherever. Take now thine only son. Only son. Because Ishmael had been cut off. So God says, Take. Thine only son, whom thou lovest, even Isaac, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I tell thee of. Now, here's how I, I I do when I'm studying the Lord over deal with me, and I and, and it'll jump up in my heart and say, "What does Moriah mean?" And I'll look it up. I'll start going through the Strong's Dictionary to, through dictionaries on the computer Bible Hub or Blue Letter Bible. There's a lot of good ones out there, but I will take and look it up. And Mariah means seen of Jah. J-A-H. You know what Jah is? It's the short name for Jehovah. It's the name of God. Seen of jaw So Abraham go out to the land that's seen of me So so this is how much significant the little words and even the definitions of the words are in your bible You go out to Moriah that's the land seen of jaw or Jehovah And take your son there And so what does Abraham do? So Abraham does that. And flip, go down to verse 4. And verse 3 says, and he goes to the place God had told him, and on the third day. What day? Why couldn't it have been the second day? It was the third day. Because the third day is speaking. Mark that. On the third day. Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw. He didn't just lift up his eyes. And he saw the place far off. And Abraham said to his young man, Abide here with the ash, and I and the lad will go yonder and will worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? So Isaac's getting concerned here. (laughs) you got me here. You've thrown this wood in my hands. There you are with a knife and a fire. And I don't see no lamb. So what are you doing, Dad? And Abraham said, God will provide Himself the lamb for a burnt offering. I love that. God will provide Himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of Jehovah called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted looked, looked up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his, arms, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. Now, God said in Exodus that He wasn't made known to Abraham as Jehovah. Abraham calls this place Mount Mount Moriah Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the Mount of Jehovah, or the Mount of the Lord, the King James says, but the Mount of Jehovah, it shall be provided. And the angel of Jehovah called unto Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself have I sworn, saith Jehovah, because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiply, and I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. But what if Abraham didn't obey his voice? Anyway, just a thought. So we come here, and Abraham had just taken Isaac in this picture. Jehovah Jireh, God shall provide. So the provision of the Lord we talk a lot about the provision of the Lord, don't we? And we've actually, as soon as we get saved, we typically start seeking God's provision for ourselves. Right? Some need we have personal Because we haven't read the Bible too good when we get saved, have we? Oh, no. You may have glanced at it, read a few verses past uh, to us, it's like this big, hard book to understand. And I absolutely don't want to read Numbers. Because Numbers just makes no sense to me. And I feel like it's boring. I said that out out loud, okay? So we have this great big book. And all once we get saved and we know we are supposed to read this great big book called the Bible. I'm a Christian. I've got to read the Bible. So I start. and I read a lot of things and according to where I start, some things may make a little sense to me and some don't according to where I start. But in Matthew 6, Jesus comes on and says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, by the time we read that, we've already been praying about, give me a husband, give me a wife, give me a bank account, give me, give me, give me, give me. Right? But Jesus comes along in Matthew 6 and starts to tell them, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. We still don't believe that. We still spend most of our prayer life asking for all these things. And usually when we want the preacher to pray for us, it's about all these things. Most of the prayer lines are all these things. That Jesus says, if you seek the kingdom, all these things will be added to you. That's well, what He said. His Word is good. It's not like our words a lot of times. His Word is yea. And amen, it's right on. It's going to happen. So here we are with the provision of the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We were talking about provision. Earlier somebody was saying something about provision. But in the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen. Everything has so much significance I could run off in a lot of places. But I'm trying not to. So... So God shall provide for Himself a sacrifice. So God's going to provide the sacrifice. Abraham. And I told you before, the reason I believe Abraham, God said that by the name Jehovah was not made known to them, is that God would come and leave with Abraham. So he wasn't known as the abiding God. He wasn't known as the God in their midst. He wasn't known as, like he said there in Exodus, I will be your God and you shall be my people. See, God got real personal there in Exodus. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. I'm going to abide in your midst, folks. So when he comes to Moses and declare himself as I am that I am, he shortly thereafter and says to him I am Jehovah who I am is Jehovah I'm going to show myself to you and I'm going to be among you now, that's what I believe the Lord has show me of what he meant that he was not made known to Abraham because he'd come to Abraham and he would appear and leave but when he'd come to Moses he was now going to dwell among Israel how many know if you read your Bible, that's what God did? He began to dwell among them. He was a fire when He let them out, a fire at night, and He was a cloud by day. And lo and behold, they built Him a tabernacle, and that fire and cloud goes and gets in that tabernacle and dwells with them. So why do we ever come up with the concept that God was way away Even your Bible will teach you, your Bible, notice I said that, even your Bible will teach you that even with Israel, He was a very present help in the time of (laughs) trouble. Very present. Now, we come to a greater day because now God's just not abiding with you, He's abiding in you. But but, I want to go down through here. Now let's flip over to Exodus 19, verse 10. And then we're going to flip backwards in Exodus. So we're going to be in Exodus for a little bit, and I'm going to try to watch my time. Exodus 19, verse 10, And Jehovah said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments, and be ready against the third day. Here's that big third day. Again, for the third day, Jehovah will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. That's Exodus 1910. So when God was dealing with Israel to come out of Egypt, he kept telling, you know, he told, told them to tell Pharaoh that they were going to go out and go on a three-day journey to worship the Lord. Three days. So you, you, you get into Exodus and three days is going to come and come and come. Three days, three days. Now they went out a whole lot longer than three days, but it's still a three-day journey. may have taken them 40 years, but they were on a three-day journey. See, that's, that's what Christians don't understand. You're on a three-day journey. It may take you 200 years, but God's going to take you on a three-day journey. And he's going to keep bringing you back to this three-day journey until you go, oh, you're saying something to me, aren't you, Lord? Exodus 12, verse 3. They're getting ready to go on their three-day journey. That turned into a whole lot more than three days. But here in Exodus 12, verse 3, he says to them, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the Father's house, a lamb for a household. Here comes the provision of the Lord again. And if the household be too little for a lamb, then shall he and his neighbor next unto his house take one according to the number of the souls. According to every man's eating, ye shall make your count for the lambs. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. Ye shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it unto the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at evening. And they shall take of the blood and put it on the two sides of the posts on the lintel, and up on the houses wherein they shall eat. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread with bitter herbs. They shall eat it, eat not of it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roast with fire, its head and its legs, and with the inwards thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain unto the morning, but that which remaineth of it. unto the morning shall ye burn with fire, and thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is Jehovah's Passover or the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt in that night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am Jehovah. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's the Passover. I will pass over you, and there shall no plague be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to Jehovah. Throughout your generations, you shall keep it a feast in an ordinance forever. Alright. So God gives the ordinance of Passover. So, so you know, God has told... Moses, he's going to take Israel out of Egypt. How many believe that? Raise your hand. So few believe that. We all believe that. So God has told Moses he's going to take Israel out of Egypt. Now, he didn't just take them out any old way. Did he? He said, I'm going to come down and take you out, take you unto myself. But he didn't just do it in the old way. It was a specific way. You're going to get a lamb, a male lamb. What did, what did Abraham offer to the Lord? What is a ram? It's a male lamb. You're going to get a male lamb, and you're going to offer him to me, and you're going to take his blood, and you're going to put up on your dwelling. So you're going to take the blood of that lamb and you're going to put it up on your dwelling place. Point at yourself, your dwelling place. You're going to put the blood right here up on, you know, there it was up on their house. You're not going to just stop there. You're not just going to put the blood out of it, but you're going to enter into it. Because they had to be outside the house to put the blood up on the door, right? You, you follow me so far? So they had to enter into their house with the blood So they didn't escape the death. They had to enter into the death of the Lamb. And this is the whole ground of salvation. Is we have to enter into the death of the Lamb. And they just didn't enter into the death of the Lamb. Then they get told, eat it. Don't let none of it remain. Eat it all. Eat the whole Lamb. Nothing but mutton, as Brother Lamb would say. So get in there and eat the Lamb. And so they... They do that. They go in there and eat the lamb and unleavened bread. Don't boil it. Don't eat of it raw. Roast it with fire if there's any left. Burn it up. Because nothing of that lamb is going to be left when you come out of here. So God's deliverance from Egypt was the blood of a lamb. So Israel couldn't come out of Egypt until a lamb had been slain. So they come out, and that's the start of a three-day journey. They slay a lamb. And they go into the house and eat it, and then they begin to go and leave Egypt and pay roads like, Get out of here, man. Pharaoh's son is dead. Everybody has a the firstborn dead, the firstborn of the cattle, the firstborn of everything. And you, you know what that's speaking of? That firstborn son, you know in the Bible, a lot of people get hung up with Adam. He's dead, man. The Adamic man is gone. Take now thy son, thy only son. You, 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 you. We, we, we don't get the coincidence that Isaac's called thine only son and Jesus is called the only begotten. And if you search your Bible one place, you'll find where the Bible calls Adam and probably more than one, the Son of God. But now Jesus comes on the scene and he's called only begotten son. And he's the son of promise. So they had to take, so Abraham had to take the son of promise. So he couldn't take Ishmael, the son of the flesh. He had to take the son of promise up to Mount Moriah to offer the son of promise. Because your life is going to be come forth through his death. That's the whole basis of your Christianity. And the reason we can't find peace is we are not learning him. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says. And learn of me. It says just learn about me. We learn of him. We get yoked up with him. And when we get yoked up with him, he's going to take us into his death. And burial and resurrection. And that right there is our three-day journey. So three days. They're going to go out three days and worship me. Now it may take them a couple hundred years, but it's going to be three days. Because they're going to learn me in my death and burial and resurrection. So we flip over to John, Gospel chapter 1. There's so much can be said here. John 1, 29. Again, I got a bunch of things I want to chase that I've calmed myself down not to chase. John 1.9, on the morrow, on the next day, John, he, see of Jesus, that's John, John the Baptist, coming unto Him. And He says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Every man take your lamb and put his blood upon your dwelling place. So every man take you a lamb named Jesus and put his blood upon your dwelling place and enter into it. Enter into it as you're going on a three-day journey. Because you're going to come in here and eat His death. You're going to come into this journey and eat His flesh and drink His blood. For Jesus will say to them, Unless you eat My flesh and drink My blood, you have no life in you. So, so, we enter through His death. I am the way. So we enter through the way, the truth. <laughs> this picture just set before me as I'm speaking this. To you. you have this big tabernacle. I didn't study this out, so if I butcher part of it, forgive me. Pray for it. Okay. So you have this tabernacle that that's instructed. Moses, go build it. Come up here into the mountain. And, and I'm going to show you the vision. You're going to build toward the pattern that I show you. So he goes up. So they come up, and Moses comes down, and he's got the law, and he's got the Ten Commandments. He's got, you know, all the things of the children of Israel, that come, And he's received a pattern of a tabernacle. And He's fenced that tabernacle off from the world. That place is holy ground, honey. So it's fenced off from the world. And they come up to the door of it, and the first thing they do when they enter the gate, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. See, that, that, that has a whole lot more significance than you might think it does. I will enter His gate and His court. So guess what that's called out there? It's called the court with praises. So I enter the court. I come to the way, honey. And in the way, what's set before me is a brazen altar. And on that altar, the altar is the sacrifice. So I come to that altar into the way, and then I come up to the brazen sea. You walk through there and you come up there, and that water is mingled with blood, honey, because the army of the Egyptians died in the Red Sea. The old man was dead. So when you go into natural water baptism, that's what that signifies. You died with Him. The death is exacted. In no other name shall man be saved. So I come through Him, through Jesus, the way. Then i got to get to the truth. So where's the truth at? Well, they come up to Mount Sinai, and the cloud covers the mountain, and God gives them the word. He gives them the truth, the type of and the truth burns you, puts you away. Glory to God. So you walk inside of that tabernacle and you've got a candlestick and you've got a table of showbread with two loaves of six. Is that right, Bob? And that candlestick doesn't have no light unless it's got oil in it. So it's light as oil. I don't know if you can't see the Holy Ghost baptism here. I don't know. So you got Passover and Pentecost right there in that tabernacle, that picture. So you come in there and the oil lights the candlestick. And, and David, I believe it is David, David or Solomon says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And you get offside and close. You figure out because you are a spirit or you have a spirit in you. But if it doesn't get lit, so what? And what lights it is the All, the Holy Ghost. So I get lit up, and what do I see? I see showbread. I see unleavened bread. Two loaves of six. the work of the cross. Jesus, the bread of life. I, Jesus, said I'm the bread of life. That's not the bread of life that Moses gave in the wilderness. That's speaking of me, honey. In fact, the whole thing is speaking of me. So I'm the bread of life, so you come in there and you eat of Him. Why are there two loaves? Because you and Him. Because you identify with Him. When He died, Yeshua who else died? I died. When He was buried, I was buried. When He was raised, I was raised. Why do you think it might be six? What was the number of man? What day was man made? Six days! So you come in there and you eat the bread on the table, and you're eating of His death, burial, and resurrection, just like Paul says. You eat the bread until He comes. Of course, we 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 think of that in the natural, but you got to remember there's one more compartment back there, and it's called the what the holiest of all. And the high priest has to enter in there one time a year without blood. And that's the veil that was rent when Jesus died at the cross saying there's no separation anymore from the most holy place. You can come right on in. It's the third day. So you got the first day, the death, the Passover, and all that it speaks of. The second day, the burial. The truth, I am, way, fruit. And then on the third day, the life. And see, in that third place, there's no light there. For the light is the light of men. So the light in that third place is Him. Not the light of the sun, moon, or stars, but now He says, I am the light of the world, a day that hath no need of the sun nor moon, Because now I'm seeing by the light of the Son of God. Glory to God. That's three days. That is the journey you started when you said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And see, your heart's not going to be full till you go on in the journey. If you stop right there, you're missing out the goodness of God. And so many Christians stop at Passover. They believe He's a Passover. They believe Jesus died for their sins. But you've got to go on into the house and eat the bread. And come to the miraculous, the power of the Holy Ghost? You have to. That's the journey. He sets it out. He shows it in ice and shadow. That's why He gave three feasts. He didn't just say, just come upon the Lord one time. That's it. He said, come upon the Lord three times in a year. And there were three feasts, and they were Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And on the third day, I will come down in the sight of them. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw. But he was seeing from another vision. He was now seeing by the Lord. He was seeing the mount of the Lord. Glory to God, he was seeing Mount Moriah. Do you know what Mount Moriah is? That it is actually Mount Zion where David would come and build the tabernacle of David, where Solomon would build the temple of Solomon, that Mount Moriah was going to be Mount Zion. That's the place the Lord saw. And when you lift your eyes up out of the dirt, out of Adam, and you take on that heavenly vision, you're going to see what the Lamb has done. Take my yoke up on you and learn of me, and I will give you rest. How many Christians have no rest? Jesus promised that. Well, well you got you got thrown into a religion that told you, well, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away, oh glory, because this life stinks, so when it gets over, I'm going to fly away and everything's going to get better. So just hold on till Jesus comes. It'll get better in the by and by, and I don't mean to belittle that. I'm sorry, because sometimes these things slip out of my mouth and I don't even want to say them. And I get mad at myself when I listen back and upset them. I really do. Not only do some of you maybe get mad at me, I get upset. You hey, know what did I say? That you? you don't know I do that, but I do that. I, I criticize myself, but I but I want to emphasize it. We just ate the bread of life, and we're walking around going, "Man, we'll get better over there." You know what happened to Israel? They refused to enter into His provision.
1: And they wandered around and they were miserable,
0: man. Because they never entered into the land. They went and looked the land. Well, this guy had just brought them out of Egypt out of or brought them out of sin, brought them out of decay, brought them out of bondage, brought them out of slavery, killed the Egyptians in the Red Sea, had destroyed their enemies in front of them. He brought them out, man, or behind them. He, he'd done away with them and they walked up to the land and they sent spies in the land. And spies come back and say, "We can't enter in there. There's giants in there. Yeah, it's it's a big land. It's got good fruit, but I can't get. I can't enter in there. They got it. God has just opened the sea. They walked over on dry ground, and the Egyptian army starts pursuing them, and the horse and the rider is strong." Into the sea. This people saw that man, and so, and so instead of yeah, we we're more than able, like Caleb, to take that mountain. We're more than able. They they start this murmuring and belly aching, and I can't do this. I don't believe this. I don't. 40 years, they wander around in the wilderness or the desert. Because they didn't have faith. They didn't believe God. I think of that sometimes, you know, and not to not to be uh, again. Forgive me if I say something wrong, but I think of that sometimes when with believers that hear this message of Christ in you, and they say, "But brother Wayne, it's it's got to get better than this." And I'm like, "Want to say really it's better than God in you? What are you really saying? Do you do you hear yourself?" We don't hear ourselves speak. God is now in you. So we are brought into the promised land. The promised land, what that land speaks of is the life, the death, burial, and the resurrection. The resurrection as just some future event, we're not going to walk in the resurrection. We're going to walk in the wilderness. We're going to walk around with religion, having received the Lord, having been a believer, We'll walk around. Because Paul says in Romans 6, and I've got a quote for He says, No, you not don't you know that as many of you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, have been baptized into His death, that you are buried with Him. You're baptized into His death, you've died with Him, you're buried with Him, and you are risen with Him. Reckon yourselves in to be dead. But alive under God. See, that's resurrection. See, if I'm dead, I can't reckon myself alive unless I'm raised. Right? So if I reckon myself dead, how can I reckon myself alive unless I'm raised? As Ephesians, Paul writes, you are quickened with him. So he is quickening in your quickening. So when you get born again, that's him. That's the power of the resurrection in you. You are quickened with him. Ray. Seated with him, quickened with him, raised with him, seated with him in heavenly places. You think it's a mistake that going and if you go study the temple out that in the embroidery you'll find angelic beings in Solomon's temple going into the holy of holies because it's speaking of going into heaven into the very throne of God. And that's what seated speaks of. Coming to His dominion. Coming to His divine presence. So you are raised out from the dead. You're no longer in the dead. That's why He said, Take thou thy Son, thine only Son, and offer Him, because your resurrection, your life, is now dependent upon His Son, His only Son, that was offered for you, that's dependent upon your life. So your life is no longer dependent upon you, it's dependent upon Him that has been offered for you. That is salvation. Three days. So I enter into that, I eat the Passover, and I come in that house. I come through that blood. And in that blood, it cleanses me. Why? Because I die. It's cleansing me. It's ever cleansing me because I died with Him. Until there's nothing remaining. That's why they had to burn up the land so nothing's going to remain at the old. He consumes it all. So I enter into that. To learn of Him. To come forth in His life. To come forth in His life. And that's salvation. That's a three-day journey. I don't know how long we're, we're going to stay here, but probably for a while. Because it's necessary... You know, you all heard this, some of this anyway. But I don't want to leave this that we just hear it. Hear it. I want you to know it. God wants you to know it. You know, He says that day you will know. I am in the Father. Well, that knowing is more than than. You know, just my mind. I, I yeah, I, I agree, Jesus. You're in the Father. You are in Me. And I am in you. You're going to know that I'm in you. You in Me. You're going to know as it is in Me. I'm going to be manifest from you because you're going to know as it is in Me. And how are you going to know It's through a three-day journey. You're going to come through this three-day journey And you're going to come through His only Son. Because you can't get through this journey through Adam. So the first man had to be cut off. Because I hadn't seen here, hadn't heard, never entered into the heart of man the things that God had done for him. So the first man had to go. Because he couldn't get here. So you had to come through His only begotten Son. Another definition of that is God only begotten. There's another definition for the only begotten Son. Just look it up. He shall provide Himself a sacrifice. I am the way, the truth, of life. No man cometh to the Father but by Me. At that day you'll know I'm in the Father. You come to the Father. <laughs> you don't know I'm in the Father. You're in Me and I am in you. Then you will know all the father's has is mine, and all mine is dying. You're talking about glory land. You're in the Father. Over in glory land. That's over in glory land. That's out of Adam and him to Christ. That's glory land. I guess next time I ever hear somebody say "over in glory land," I'll say, yeah, "That's right, and that's right where I am right now. I'm over in glory land, God bless." I'm over in glory land. He is glorified in me. Hallelujah. Well, I know it's hot in here. I could preach for another hour, but I won't.